Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Point. We've become the source of, for authenticity and exactitude here in Southeast Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley. Why? Because you've all identified our show as a guidepost for truth seekers everywhere. The Point is the home of factualists. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. We, we do have an action-packed show today. We're going to be moving seamlessly very fast It'll seem like it's running at the speed of sound. Folks, we're going to provide an explanation to the unexplainable, and I appreciate you all for tuning in to the show today. Let's jump right into it. Uh, we just we just recently ran into a bunch of polls that looked pretty good, and I, I wanted to comment on that with uh, with Biden and, and, and about, obviously with Trump. Now, these pollsters, what's interesting is that you don't you haven't seen any polls that have come out. I want to say, uh, well, you've seen polls, but we haven't seen a lot of polls that came out after the convention. I thought what was interesting was when you look at years past, the conventions generally kicked off the campaign season. So you had the Republican National Convention, you had the Democrat National Convention, I should say the Anti-American National Convention, and the Republican National Convention. You've had them in years past. And they they use the uh, they use the media, if you will, as a launching point, as the catalyst. They they package their political product up and they put it out there. And the media provides the coverage that they need. The media shows and presents the the picture of the person. You have a buildup before the convention, and of course, the spinning that goes on after the convention. You've got all the media uh, outlets interviewing the candidates <clears throat> and their key surrogates getting a lot of information, a lot of interaction. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll see the candidates, both the uh, the End America Democrat candidate, and then you'll see the Republican candidate out there. And, and the media is out there cross-examining these candidates, basically asking the candidate to, uh, you know, expound on their platform, expound on what it is they wanted to, that they, they have plans for America on. In other words, what are their plans? What what How will they do things differently in the next four years, if you're the opposition, how will you be different than the candidate that's been in there running? And if you're the person running, what will you build on that you've been successful with? And what would you change and do differently <clears throat> going forward? So you see a lot of this political packaging in these conventions. They put this out there. Then, of course, you have you know the media responding to it, promoting it, and just reporting it so that the, the American public gets a a, a real grip on what's happening with the candidates. Well, <clears throat> that didn't happen this time around for the for the end America Democrats. It just didn't. The end America Democrats basically were out there with their political product, and he had a 24 minute speech, 22 minutes I think, or something like that, which was the shortest nomination acceptance speech of all time since television came out. And we've been watching conventions on television. The acceptance speeches have all been longer than than Joe Biden's. OK. And then we watched Donald Trump give his acceptance speech, <clears throat> which was a direct contrast to Joe Biden's direct acceptance speech. And J Donald Trump expounded on his success points, his accomplishments. He, he talked about what he was successful in and how would we proceed differently down the road. And his was a marvelous uh, nomination acceptance speech compared to the Democrats. I mean, the Democrats had the the dim this, the, the, the dim darkness, the despair. Uh, they had their promised punishments. I mean, Joe Biden was out there saying, "I don't want to promise. I'm not. 
I don't want to punish anyone. Well, <clears throat> folks, <clears throat> he took his 2008, his 2008 vice presidential acceptance speech, and he dusted it off and he repackaged it for this acceptance speech. I mean, folks, make no mistake about it. He would not have done that. His writers would not have done that had they been serious about this convention at all. They weren't, I mean, obviously they were repackaging old, tired, old socialist ideas and they were repackaging it, trying to represent it to the American public as something it wasn't. The only one that really had anything to say was was Donald Trump. And, and obviously he talked about the accomplishments that we had over the last four years. He talked about how the the, the media and the Democrats were out there trying to sabotage his campaign from the beginning, but he was very uplifting. He wasn't negative. Trump had a bright, you know, he had like a, I want to say a positive, optimistic outlook. Uh, the impression you got from listening to Trump's speech was totally different than the impression you got listening to Biden's speech. And the evidence was of the, the evidence that of what I'm telling you folks, the evidence that it's accurate, what I'm saying is, is that, uh, you know, Trump actually got a bump during the Democrat convention. I mean, this is the first time I think in history that a political candidate got a political polling bump during the time of their opponent's convention. Uh, I've never seen anything like it, but but it happened because you had the stark differences being expounded on, but also being distinctly revealed on the prop to propaganda fake news. I mean, this was what we saw, okay? I mean, the media malpractice was very apparent during the Republican convention because they had the fake fact checkers out there actually fake fact checking personal stories. <laughs> OK, uh, I thought that was very interesting. I mean, Herschel Walker and others, but but whatever, getting away. I don't want to get too much in out of the weed in, in the weeds on this. I just want to basically elaborate on what we've seen. OK, and so. You had all this going on, the Democrats dusting off an old speech, bringing out old, tired socialist ideas, Trump having a vision for the country. And so we actually see a bump in the polls. And I think what was very interesting on all of this is the Democrats saw it, Hillary Clinton saw it. They saw this days before you and I saw it because they have the inside numbers. See, one thing you have to realize about a polling company, a polling company can shape and twist the poll and the polling data to bring about a polling result that you're looking to see. So if I'm looking to shape a narrative, I can I can basically contort the information that I'm getting from a poll, and I can basically say, okay, I want it to reflect such and such, or I want it to reflect this, or how much, how close to this can we get? And so the polling, you know, the the the, the survey sampling and everything from the survey sampling of you know political party sampling, the partisan politics, if you will, the partisan sampling if you will, all the way to the issues themselves, as to the demographics, the is- the areas from which they're sampling, all these different things come into play. So they had these polls out here. Now, the Democracy Institute Sunday Express poll, uh, that's that's a reasonably accurate poll, folks. I mean, uh, you know, I watched and I've been watching Rasmussen Reports, and Rasmussen Reports has Trump at 50-plus percent in, in approval ratings. It actually has Trump. Uh, ahead in the battleground states. I think Pennsylvania had him in a dead heat, but I saw some other polling that, that had Trump ahead in Pennsylvania. But whatever the case is, I, I think it's important to understand the Democracy Institute Sunday Express poll was one of the polls that came out. And again, we haven't seen a lot of polling. Out. I mean, you, you didn't see, CB, I think CBS did a poll with 
YouGov, but I didn't see ABC News do a poll. I haven't seen CNN do a poll. I think Fox News came out with a poll uh, a week later. Uh, it, whatever. You had these different polls, but a, we didn't have as many polls of the main polls that came out after these conventions. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they were trying to shape the opinion. You see, the evidence, too, and again, I want to point this out, you can use polling to encourage and facilitate for and bring about an attitude where people want to donate. In other words, build excitement and create create uh, an undertone of donors, if you will, that bring money to the, to the candidacy. You can also use polls to suppress a candidate, to suppress the turnout, but, but to suppress the excitement and the donors. You can actually use polling to create donations for a political party candidate running. And it, it, it's true. It happens. You can also use it to suppress. So what they've been very careful on through, through the month of August, but July and August, <clears throat> they all had Biden showing up support nine, 10 points ahead, eight points ahead. Then all of a sudden, uh, right the, on the eve of the, of the end America Democrat convention on the eve of it, you saw the polling instantly tighten up. It went from like nine points to four points five points. Somebody's like, wait a minute, what cut this in half? What event took place that caused this poll to shift like this? Well, <clears throat> what happens is, again, they're trying to create the dog race, if you will, the horse race. So they put these phony polls out before the DNC convention. And then during the DNC convention, you saw those polls close even more. And then you saw Trump actually take a lead. And at the end of the DNC convention, a lot of these polls showed Trump leading and then, of course, here comes the Republican turn at the public and the media has to air those. They have to air those, um, you know, the speeches the same way. So the media has to give them the same air time, the same air cover. And again, the unfiltered speeches. I think what's interesting is the reason that the polls shifted and the Democrats know this and they knew this going into August. The reason this would, but they, I should say they didn't know this prior to the convention, but they presumed that the polls would close. But the reason they closed was because this is the first time the American public got a front row seat of unfiltered Democrat dogma. What do the end of Democrats, what do the end of America Democrats have in store if elected? What do the end America Democrats have in store? What are they promising? Well, this was all unfiltered in their speeches, and I think it scared America. And that's why, I believe, <clears throat> that's why the polling closed. It's evidence. I mean, we saw it ha We saw it happen. The polling actually, I mean, Trump actually gained in the polls. It was a phenomenon that nobody ever really could, could imagine would happen, but it did happen. <clears throat> we saw it. It happened. And so the polling closed. And... Then after the Democrat convention, then the Republicans have their unfiltered speeches and America get America gets a, a first row, front row seat, if you will, of of what the Republicans have in store. And I think they liked it. So the actual real information of polling can be seen on the inside polling numbers that these candidates have. These candidates will hire polling companies to uh to do their polling, and those polling companies will not lie to their candidates. Now they will they will lie to the to the media, to the to the Pravda media. The media will take from these polling companies polls that are not accurate, polls that are intended to shape public opinion, polls that are uh, that are intended <clears throat> to to facilitate donations. 
show excitement or show fake excitement, whatever. Um, again, so they they will pr- they they will put that out, but the candidates are going to get the real skinny because they are the paying customers. So don't miss that. So the candidates knew what was going to happen coming out of this. Both Trump and Biden knew, as well as their close surrogates. Hillary Clinton knew. On Tuesday morning after the Monday night opening night of the Republican convention, Tuesday morning, Hillary Clinton declared Trump that Biden should never concede. Don't concede Joe Biden. I mean, this is what she's putting out there. He should not concede. Well, she saw the inside numbers and she was she was directly concerned. She saw and she understood that these unfiltered speeches are going to result in Joe Biden losing this election. She saw this early on. Donna Brazil was on there with Tammy Bruce on Fox and Friends Tuesday morning, the, the Tuesday morning after the Monday night, first night of the Republican convention. And Donna Brazil and Tammy Bruce <clears throat> got into a, well, an on-air verbal cage match, for lack of a better phrase, and literally, Donna Brazil was completely unhinged in a way that I've never seen her unhinged. Again, this is what happens to the opinions and the attitudes and enthusiasm levels of people when they see when they see that they're falling into the trap that they laid for someone else, that they fell into it themselves. You know, it's interesting, and, and but but and again, this is what they're doing. So so they understand what the real numbers are. But they're always going to try to convince America it's something different. Joe Biden's out there recently saying, well, the polls show different. The polls show that I'm gaining in this area or that area. And I don't know what poll he's alluding to, but I think he's trying to lie his way out of it by lying to the American public and trying to get the American public to see something and believe something that isn't real. I mean, this happens all the time. And some of the unsuspecting American public might buy into it, you know, might buy into it. You know, uh, my wife was telling me recently about a friend of hers whose son was in a supermarket buying a bag of dog food, and he was asked by the woman in back of him in the line if the particular dog food was, did he have a dog? Well, obviously he has a dog or he wouldn't be buying a bag of dog food, but this person decided to put a sense of humor to work and, and have some fun with the customer in the back asking what I guess she thought was a rhetorical question, trying to spur on conversation. I don't know. But he started having fun with her. He said, no, 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 this is my weight loss program. I carry these tidbits in my pocket. Whenever I get hungry, I eat them. Now, folks, she, you know, this conversation went on for several minutes. She was actually believing him until, of course, he, until which time he turned around and said, well, you know, he started talking about how he, he got sick from eating them. And she thought, she thought, that maybe, uh, you know, that the dog food might have made him sick. But whatever the case is, this person believed him for a period of time that he was actually eating dog food just to lose weight. Now, folks, if this is happening, I mean, if you can convince a person in a supermarket that you, in fact, eat dog food to lose weight, let me help you, folks. You can convince that person of anything. You can convince that person of anything. There are people out there right now And this is what happens when people don't get a proficient level of reading. I mean, they never really gain in reading proficiency, but they're always able to hit the the, the governmental standards for reading proficiency, okay? The government defines the standard of what proficient reading is. Well, folks, their standard of proficient reading 
is not is not the standard that you or I would would adhere to. Their standard for proficient reading is baseline, basic understanding. What happens when you take someone that has baseline, basic reading skills and comprehension skills, you take that person, you can easily convince that person that what they're seeing with their own eyes and hearing with their own ears may be something different. You can cause that person to lose confidence in what they're seeing and hearing with their own eyes and ears. It can happen. It happened in that line, in that supermarket line. It can happen anywhere, folks. This is the kind of stuff that can actually occur. And I think what's interesting on in all of this is that the Democrats with the Pravda propaganda are consistently out there trying to convince America that what they're seeing and hearing with their own eyes is not really what it is. I mean, literally, I mean, they could take a horrible speech like Joe Biden put out there, his dusting off of a 2008 nomination acceptance speech for vice presidential candidate back in Denver in 2008, dusting off that speech, and they can make it sound like it was so marvelous, magnificent, and pointed. I mean, either A, they're not doing their job in committing, in committing, in, in actually committing acts of journalism, or B, I mean, they're absolutely incompetent and, don't, and they shouldn't be journalists. But either way, they're either deliberately avoiding the issues or they're incompetent. Either way, it's, it's horrible. They're doing the American public a disservice. But I want to get to the poll here. I'm, I'm, I, I want to get to what's, what's actually out there in the polling. So in this poll, okay, uh, it shows Trump leading Biden by three points, 48 to 45. And again, Rasmussen reports has consistently had Trump above 47%. Uh, on the tracking for the last couple of weeks, 47 or higher. Uh, and again, that's that's trending right along the same line as Barack Hussein Obama trended back in 2012. And we know that Barack Hussein Obama was able to beat Joe, well, I'm sorry, was able to beat Willard Romney in that election of 2012. He beat him handily. And that was before Candy Crowley's lifetime, if you remember, her lifeline, I should say, in the, the second debate. But anyway, the Democracy Institute Sunday Express poll, okay, again, it, it, it showed that Trump is beating him in the battleground states, you know, and, and but their sampling was, was interesting because they actually came close to the sampling, and this is where I think polling can be right. I mean, 37% Democrats, 35% Republicans, and then 28% independents. I still think it's too high on the independent line. I think they're about eight points too high there. I think the Democrats should have been around 40 percent and Republicans should have been about, you know, 38 percent. OK. And then the 20, uh, you know, then, then the 22 percent or so should be on the independents. That's what I think. But whatever the case is, this is what they had. It was reasonably close. And this shows Trump ahead by three, which I think is interesting. OK. And uh, again, it shows that uh, Trump is actually even with independents and, and polling very strong with with Republicans. But I think it's, uh, then they, you know, I mean, I, 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 again, I want to make a quick comment on real clear politics. You hear a lot spoken on real clear politics, a lot said on it, the real clear politics average of polls. You see this on Fox News, you see this on all the networks. Folks, real clear politics average of polls does not accurately reflect anything. It just shows you an average of good polls and bad polls. So when you're seeing the real clear politics average of polling, you got to understand that 
it, it didn't predict the election winner of 2016. As a matter of fact, as long as they've been doing this, it's never correctly predicted any presidential winner that I've ever seen. Because it's a real clear politics average of polls. It might have predicted it might have predicted Obama beating Romney. I don't recall back then, but I know it got it wrong in 2016. That much I know. But I'm not sure because I mean in, in prior years, because I know that Obama beat Romney pretty handily and Obama beat McCain pretty handily. So I think real clear politics might have called that one correct as well. But the fact is, in a close election, because it's an average, there's no way it can be accurate. So enough said on that. I just want to talk about the battleground states and so forth. And these polls show Trump ahead, okay, in these battleground states, okay? And I think it's interesting. I mean, it gets into – it also shows that Trump is gaining in support with certain demographics that are uh, historically Democrat. I mean, he's gaining in in those polls. But it shows Trump leading in six key battleground states, uh, you know, Florida, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin by seven points. Now, I just mentioned Rasmussen recently showed Pennsylvania as, I think, 46 to 46. But whatever the case is, I I suggest to you, if he's not even, he's he's up by, by about four or five points here in PA. But this shows him up by seven. And, you know, it gets into the whole bit here. I mean, it, 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 it breaks down the polls. It even shows Trump beating him in New Hampshire. But it shows Trump up by three or four points in every one of these polls. You know, or, or five in some of the other ones, six. It shows him winning Wisconsin and others. You know, and I, I don't want to miss that because I think, as I've been saying on the show, we're going to see law and order on the ballot. Law and order will be on the ballot. Almost four out of 10 voters right now are looking at riots and violence and law and order as their number one issue. That is huge. I mean, that's even ahead of the economy and jobs, believe it or not. But if you combine that with economy and jobs, two thirds of all voters in this election will be looking at law and order, riots, violence, economy and jobs, all of which are Trump's wheelhouse. I mean, uh, education and COVID is about 13%. I think what's interesting is the Democrats have put a lot into COVID. They thought that the COVID was going to sink Trump, and only 13% of the people are concerned about COVID. I find that that distinct. I mean, 37% are concerned about the the, the disorder in the cities, if you will, lawlessness. 27% are concerned about the job market. Only 13% are concerned about the COVID. And everyone's walking around wearing a mask. You got Governor Wolf out there declaring recently that Pennsylvania is going to extend its emergency shutdown. I think that's interesting. Even though Pennsylvania is down, down in, uh, down in uh, fatalities and uh, down in hospitalizations, up, of course, in infections because we're testing more. But hospitals are not seeing an, an, uh, a flood of patients. Uh, we're treating them better when they get into the hospital. We have therapy treatments that are actually working. So when they get in, if those that do get in are, are able to survive it. We're seeing the, the fatalities drop tremendously. But that didn't stop the Democrat governor from the, from extending the national emergency to help keep the, the economy flat flatline longer. But even in spite of all of that, 
the public sees the joblessness caused by the Democrats more than they see the pandemic fear itself. I think what's interesting in this poll is the public is more concerned about the economy and the joblessness that's occurred by these Democrat governors doing flat economy shutdowns than they are the actual pandemic at 13 percent. I mean, literally, their concern for the pandemic, if you will, is half of what their concern of their actual job is. And the Democrats don't get that. The Democrats, this is the disconnect the Democrats have with the American public. And when you look at this, when you say, what is your number one concern? Well, lawlessness in the city is huge, okay? But right underneath that is the economy and jobs, of which the flatten the economy shutdowns were caused by the Democrat governors. See, at first, remember, folks, remember at first it was the flatten the, flatten the curve shutdowns? Well, once we flattened the curve, they extended the flatten the curve shutdown to flatten the economy. Here in Pennsylvania, we did that. And in a lot of other states, the Democrat governor's control states did not reopen in June. They did not reopen in June like other states did. So they're still down. They kept the, they kept the restaurants closed. They kept all these businesses shut down. And as a result of all this, the public is very concerned about the economy and jobs more so than they are about the actual COVID-19 outbreak pandemic and so forth. So the risks of COVID. I think that's a distinct point. That's why I wanted to highlight that here on 1180 WFYL. You only got that distinct description completely unpacked with exactitude by me right here. I wanted to also discuss uh, the idea of the different demographics and so forth. but. I think what's interesting is 62% of the public, okay, um, approve of the way Trump is handling the protests and riots. And 34% of the public believe Joe Biden is sufficiently critical of the riots, looting, and violence. Now, folks, that's not good for Joe Biden. When, when one-third of America think that Joe Biden has been sufficiently critical of the violence, of the rioting, of the looting, of the burning of the police stations, of the of the defund the police group, but only one third of America feels that his response has been sufficient. Folks, that means two thirds believes it wasn't sufficient. And I want to I want to throw something out there. I, I think there's a good reason for the public to feel that way. Okay, about riding with Biden and uh, Joe Biden. The reason is because they've seen Joe Biden and they've seen Kamala Harris actually out there with the defund the police groups. They've heard Joe Biden in his first interview right after the Democrat convention. They said, would you consider, it was an ABC News reporter, would you consider shutting down the economy again? And he answered with a resounding, of course I would. Yes, absolutely. As long as the science and data promote it. Well, he's talking about closing the economy again, folks. This is what I don't want you folks to miss. He stated it. He also stated about mandatory masks. Remember, he and Kamala Harris got out there and they said, we would have a, a, a mandatory mask mandate if you were, for three months or something like that, 100 days or whatever it was he said. And then, oh, I want to say a week later, he's retracting (laughs) 
the mask mandate saying, well, we wouldn't make it enforceable. And then, of course, he's denying that he actually had it in his acceptance speech that he would shut down the economy. He's denying that he said that on ABC News. He's basically trying to back off what he already said. Folks, that bell's been rung and the public has heard it. There's a reason the public sees the Democrats in league with the anarchists. And the reason is because the the Democrat leaders are holding hands with the defund the police anarchists in the protest lines. I think that's important to understand. And I I think it's important that we we get to that. I mean, Joe Biden actually made a statement uh, that he, uh, as he put it, do I look like I have a, he he did an interview. I, I guess it was, no, it wasn't an interview. I'm sorry. He actually had a, an announcement. It was a statement. He went, he did it in Western Pennsylvania. He actually made a, uh, he just read off a statement. Didn't take any questions from anybody. He read, reads off a statement. And in the statement, he says, do I look like a radical socialist with a soft spot for rioters? Do I? I mean, you know me, you all know my family, you know me. I mean, in the speech, he's out there saying this. Okay. I mean, you know me, you know, my family, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, do I look like a radical socialist with a soft spot for rioters? Well, we're going to help him understand that, yes, he does. And the reasons for that and why, okay? Because in this statement, he declares, he de- first off, he pledges to never use the National Guard as a, to, uh, as he puts it, to, uh, uh, he, he said, I'll never use the National Guard to intervene in domestic political disputes. That's that's what he said. So he's calling rioting and the burning of buildings and the killing of people a domestic political dispute. He's calling looting a domestic political dispute. Folks, he's got it confused. Either that or he's doubling down on stupid. Remember, this guy has had two brain aneurysms, two of them, back in 1989. And just so our listeners understand what a brain aneurysm is, it's an explosion in the brain. He's had two explosions in the brain, and it's affecting his sensibility here because he's calling riots, he's calling looting, he's calling destroying property, he's, he's, he's calling the occupying of seven city blocks in Seattle, he's calling the killing of people, he's calling the throwing bricks and Molotov cocktails and anything else they can think of at the police, he's calling the looting of stores, the burning down of police stations. Folks, he's calling that domestic political dispute. And he's pledging to never throw the National Guard into that. Folks, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to help our listeners unpack that distinctly. He's pledging to never let the National Guard break up a riot. He's saying, I pledge to you, I will never send in the National Guards to disperse a riot. If the local mayor and the local governor can't figure it out, I will stay out of it and let them burn the city to the ground. That's basically what he's saying. And maybe that's why he didn't take any questions after this discussion. Now, the other thing that he talked about was he talked about the, um, as he put it, the, uh, he said, um, oh man, he talked about, he wants to he wants to make the country safe from bad cops. Let me see if I can. Oh, here it is. He says uh, he he wants to uh, keep our country secure, not safe, secure from bad 
cops. Now, first off, he's, I mean, that statement in and of itself is a dog whistle, as the first statement was a dog whistle. But what's interesting is in that sentence, he said he wants to keep our country secure, not only from crime and looting. But before he said that, he talked about not letting the National Guards break up the crime and looting, the looting and rioting. So he's saying if the mayors and governors can't handle the the crime and looting, well, then you'll have my platitudes, folks. You're going to have my empathy and my sympathy, and you will have those words coming across my, my mouth. But what Joe Biden doesn't understand is the people who live in those cities, well, while their cities are being destroyed by anarchists, are not going to want the words coming from Joe Biden's mouth. They're going to want the National Guards coming in, protecting their property, which, by the way, our property is an extension of us. So, folks, I mean, this is where all this is. But the third distinct thing, so, you know, he, does, he talks about the bad cops, which, I mean, that's making a presumption or, or throwing it out there that all cops are bad or many, many are bad. And the third thing, the third distinct point is he actually had members of his own campaign, 13 members of his campaign actually gave money to an organization to bail out the rioters in Minnesota that were arrested for burning down the police stations. Yeah, folks, you heard that right. Now, you're hearing it here on 1180 WFYL on our show, The Point. You're hearing it here, folks. Okay? And I guess it's because this is blue chip discussion. Okay? And we are exposing the hidden facts. We are doing that. And we're exposing those hidden facts on Joe Biden, who's running for president. And folks, we're discussing these developments and milestones because they're not being thoroughly reported by the phony Pravda propaganda fake news. So you're hearing it right here with me. Okay, Joe Biden basically made these statements. And then in addition to that, a few weeks prior back, I want to say back in June, when they arrested many of these anarchists in Minneapolis, Joe Biden's own staff put money together to bail him out of jail. Folks, this happened. Don't miss it. It really, really happened. You know, and, and so when Joe Biden's wondering how in the world he's losing in the polls when he's looking at this, well, folks, this is how he's losing in the polls. This is why 34% of America, only 34%, one-third of America sees Joe Biden as being sufficiently critical of the rioting. That's because he's not sufficiently critical. That's because the words that were coming out of his mouth during the convention and the words that were coming out of his mouth in interviews before and after the convention, well, folks, those words were heard by people. Those bells were rung, and Joe Biden can't unring those bells. I mean, three-quarters of America think it's lunacy to defund your police department. And yet Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are out there holding hands with defund the police anarchists. You know, we're protesting, defund the police, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now, the other thing, the other distinct point I want to throw at this is the level of enthusiasm for the candidate. Now, just so we're clear, the enthusiasm is growing every day. But I think it's important that we understand Trump's voters, 82% in this poll, are very, 
enthusiastic about their choice for Trump. Only 40% of Biden supporters are very enthusiastic about their choice for Biden. So what that tells you is what I've been saying all along, that the public, like John Kasich, like, you know, like uh, Colin Powell, like uh, some of these other never Trumper Republicans, they're not voting for Joe Biden. They're voting against Donald Trump. That is something you can't miss. And when people go to the polls, the winner of that election is generally the person who has the most enthusiasm because those voters are coming out to vote for something. The other voters that are not are, are they coming out to vote against something. So people that are voting for something will generally go the extra mile, i.e. make it to the polls or, or make sure that their mail-in ballot gets in on time, whatever. I mean, when only 40% of your voters are excited about you as a candidate and 82% are excited about Trump, according to this poll here, if I was Joe Biden, if I was Hillary Clinton, I'd be telling Joe Biden Tuesday morning, don't concede no matter what. So when I say to you, <clears throat> does Hillary Clinton, well, does she see that their horse in this horse race has a heart condition? I would say, yes, she does. She absolutely does. The evidence of that were the words that came out of her mouth. Donna Brazil, same difference. These are political insiders. Donna Brazil's Oh, man, uh, I, Donna Brazil has won. Uh, she has successfully run a losing campaign for at least two people that I know of. Hillary Clinton was one. Um, well, maybe it was just Hillary. I'm sorry. It was Maybe it was just Hillary. But I think she's worked for some Senate people, but I know she worked for Hillary. And uh, she successfully ran Hillary's campaign into the ground. So her and Hillary seen right through this, and they were telling Biden, don't concede. And, of course, Donna Brazil went even further to insult Tammy Bruce. And if you listen to the exchange, you'll hear it. But, I mean, I think the other, the other question that I thought was interesting is that is your support or your promise to vote for Trump or your promise to vote for Biden, is it a positive vote for your candidate or a negative vote against your opponent? 85% of those that said they're going to vote for Trump it said it's a positive vote for Trump. 15% said they're voting against Joe Biden. So the people that go in, they're going to go, I'm going to close my eyes and hold my nose and pull the lever for Donald Trump. 15% say they're going to do that. The other 85% say, I'm voting for Trump. Well, interesting for Joe Biden. 34% of those that say, I'm voting for Joe Biden, 34% of all those that say they're vote of the Biden supporters, if you will, 34%. So one third of all the Biden supporters, a little over one third, say they're voting for Biden. The other two thirds, 66%, say they're voting against Trump. So not only are those voters unenthusiastic for Biden, but they're, they're I mean, the numbers reflect that this is an accurate poll because you actually see the counter of it. So you say, when you're looking at this actual poll, you're seeing that 40% are very enthusiastic about Biden. And of those 40%, I should say of, you know, of, of the, I should say of the other voters, the other rest of the voters, 66% say they're, uh, they're, they're voting against Trump. So of all the Biden supporters, two thirds say they're voting against Trump. That is really, really bad for Biden. 
Biden has not conveyed a message that the public wants to vote for, whereas Trump has. The evidence of that is 85% of those that are voting for Trump not only are very positive about Trump, but they're voting for Trump. Only 15% are voting against Biden. So whose message is negative? Well, I think Biden's message is negative. So that's a very notable, distinct difference I wanted our listeners to understand. But, you know, you look at the job approval. According to this poll, 86% of Republicans support Trump. I mean, I just saw a poll today that showed almost 90%. But I've seen other polling that shows that 90, 92% Republican support. Trump has more Republican support coming into this election cycle than Ronald Reagan did in 84. And I think that's distinct, too. But what's interesting is 28% of Democrats give Trump a national job approval. They give him an actual approval rating for, for his job. 28% of Democrats. I mean, that's pretty distinct. I mean, that goes to show you Joe Biden's is not. Joe Biden's isn't. And I think that's that's very, I mean, I mean, when you look at it, you're, oh, oh, well, evangelicals is another one. Evangelicals is another one. Evangelicals are like 90% for Trump. Catholics are 64% for Trump. Mainline Protestants, 62. You realize mainline Protestants never got above 50% for the Republican candidate. They're always around 45 or so. I, I mean, I remember looking at these polls. I've looked at these polls, but I've been looking at these polls for years. I'm telling you, folks, mainline Protestants have never been much above 50%. Now they're running at 62%. Catholics, 64%. Folks, Catholics have routinely been around 50% for Trump, 55% for Republicans. Even the Jewish vote, one-third of the Jewish vote is for Trump. And, of course, the baby boomers are heavily for Trump. I mean, I mean, we're seeing 64% of people over 45 years old are for Trump, from 45 to 64. And anybody over 65, 58% support Trump. I just think it's, it's very, very important. Uh, you know, and another thing out of the poll, again, you have, it's funny, you have 59% say Biden's likable. Only 32% say Trump is likable. But what's interesting on all that, in all these all these years that have been going on, the, the, the media has been trying to portray Trump as a bully, as a thug, or whatever you want to call him, a, you know, a, well, obviously a traitor or whatever. They were trying to say he's a Russian agent. I mean, the media has been lying about Trump for four years. Everybody's been out there trying to do the pile on with Trump. And yet, likability is not the issue. It's approval for the job. It's job approval, which matters. People hire a president for results, and they're not giving that to Biden. I mean, you got 62% say Biden's 77 years old is too old to be president, while only 35% say Trump is too old at 74 years old. I think that's interesting. Now, let's take a look at, let's discuss that for a moment. Let's, let's, let's unpack that. You get all these people that were surveyed, okay? They were all looking, they're all, you know, we're trying to figure out, okay, um, what they see in Biden and what they see in Trump. Well, the question here is, is the candidate too old to be president? Well, there's only three years separating Biden and Trump. But Biden looks like he's 100 years old when he does the interviews. When he does them, he doesn't do them often. But when he's out there making political statements or whatever, he still looks very old. Whereas Trump, who's doing rallies and who's out there doing a, his, his constant interviews. I mean, Trump is doing 10 times the interviews Biden is, you know, with the press, cross-examining questions the whole bit. Trump's out there fielding all these questions. 
Trump's out there handling all these interrogations by the press, handling all these press conferences himself, talking to all the people in the press. He's doing his rallies. He's out there talking to people. Joe Biden's hiding out in his basement. Joe Biden does YouTube videos and YouTube interviews. He does he does political statements with no follow-up questions. And so the public is seeing this. Now, they're seeing these two guys that are relatively the same age. I mean, Biden's three years older, but relatively the same age. Okay? But but 62% of the people look at Biden like he's too old, and half of that see Trump like he's too old. Because when when the when your candidate is out there doing the work, out there conveying a message, out there doing and talking and creating energy, the public does not see that person as too old, even though they may be as old as the person, the other person they're comparing them to. I mean, this isn't like 62% say Biden's too old and 58% say Trump is too old. This is almost half. 62% say Biden's too old at 77 and 35% say Trump is too old at 74. You're, you're looking at a large two-thirds of the of the people surveyed, two-thirds see Trump is not too old. But almost two-thirds, not quite, but almost two-thirds see Biden is too old. So like like I said, one-third sees Trump is too old and two-thirds see Biden is too old. Folks, that, that there's something wrong with what you're seeing is the perception they're getting from their political product. The political product that the Democrats put out is a guy that looks like he's 100 years old, a guy with lifeless eyes, with hollowed chin, with hollowed cheeks and everything else. He just looks like he's old and he looks like he's barely holding up. He looks like he's he looks like he's shot, absolutely shot. I mean, he's blown out. I mean, he's just he could it looks like the guy had two brain brain explosions brain aneurysms because he did. The man looks tired. He looks like he's got the onset of dementia. People see this stuff. Two thirds, oh, nearly two thirds of the public see him as too old and only 35% see Trump as too old. And Trump, believe me, he's only a couple of years younger, but because Trump's out there and he's out energizing, he's out, he's out working and he's out hustling Biden. He just, they're not seeing him as too old. So I think there's, that's a very important distinct point here that the political products that these parties are putting out, Trump is the political party that the Republicans are putting out, and he is obviously looked favorably as able to do the job. So his approvals are up. The public sees him as not not too old. And Biden's approvals are down, and the public sees him as too old. And, and, and again, you know, six out of ten of the public sees Biden and the Democrats as being in league, as I went through this earlier being in league with the anarchists and the lawbreakers and the lawlessness and the defund the police groups, six, six out of 10. And two-thirds, 67% of the public sees Trump as being in league with the police and with law and order and with protecting society. Folks, these are very distinct differences of how the public perceives the political products, the political candidates. And a lot of it has to do with the way these conventions went the Democrats did a very poor job, but the media did everything they could to, to build it up and make it look like it was something it wasn't. But in the end of the day, the public saw it with their own eyes. And they weren't impressed. They just weren't impressed. And the early polling shows it. And I asked the question in the beginning of the show, if you remember, I asked the question, 
Why haven't we seen a lot of polls out there? Well, the, the reason you're not seeing a lot of polling, the reason we haven't seen a lot of polling is because it's all bad for Biden. And they know that everyone's looking with bated breath to see what the next polls are from these polling organizations, but they also know there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on them. A lot of scrutiny. Because the samplings have to be something that you can look at and, and connect with. And as I talked about before, the samplings in this particular poll were very good. I mean, better than most. Better than most. And I, I think it's important because when you look at the actual sample, and when you look at the actual samplings, and 37% were Democrat, 35 were Republican, even though those numbers are slightly low on both numbers, they're they're close. 35 and 37 is close. And that's what it's going to be in the end. My guess is it's going to be 40, 40% Democrat, 39, 38% Republican, but they're going to be a little higher. I think the independents are going to be lower. They still inflated the independents to 28%. I don't know why they're doing that. It just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, you know, when you're pulling party affiliation, but the states are making it, I think, more difficult because some of the states are not reporting uh, party affiliation like they used to. A lot of the states aren't doing it. And I don't know why. I think it has to do with keeping the pollsters in the dark. Uh, so when they get these people on the phone, they're trying to go off the voting records that they have, but they're calling them. Are you identifying as a Democrat, a Republican, or an independent? I think you've got a lot of people that are identifying as an independent when they're not, when they're actually affiliated with a party. But whatever, it doesn't matter. I don't know how they're doing it, but you know, bottom line is, are you? It's not. Are you affiliated with the Democrats or Republicans or Independents? Are you a registered Democrat or are you registered Republican, or are you a registered Green Party or are you a registered, you know, you know, Libertarian or whatever? I mean, you call those Independents. But the bottom line is, you have to do a better job getting to what who who they are. You know, who who it is you're calling. But in the end of the day. This was reasonably close, and as a result, it showed Trump ahead. And I think right now that, that the Democrats are very nervous about this because they see all this coming down the pike. They see it all coming down the pike. And then you're looking at – you're just looking at a lot of the uh, – of what's going on in the cities and whatnot, what Biden's agenda is. Because this, this is going to come out. We're going to see in this election, yes, law and order will be on a ballot. Yes, I've been saying that. But you're also going to see on the ballot this November, America first, Americanism versus globalism. You're going to see that on the ballot too, folks. That's going to be on the ballot too. It's going to be America first versus China first. Globalism versus Americanism. You're going to see this on the ballot. It's not just capitalism versus socialism. There's You're talking about preserving this country's traditions and constructs or bringing, you know, or, or bringing in something totally different. You're talking about defunding the police and literally allowing lawlessness to reign in our cities. And to further that up, not just defund the police, but legalize disorder crimes, legalize shoplifting under like $2,000, which they've done in some of these cities. They've legalized, you know, you know, loitering. Okay. They've legalized, uh, you know, uh, well, like I said, shoplifting, uh, drug use, 
um, you know, they, they, they're just they're not they're not arresting them. They may not be legal, but they're not arresting people for it. public urination, things like that. You know, uh, illegal protests, whatever you want to call them. You, you're just not the the law. You also seeing these same people not just defund the police and make it look totally different, not just allowing disorder crimes to take place, but you're also allowing for the removal of of cash bail requirements. So now you're saying that people that are arrested for something more than just the disorder crimes, because you're not you're not arresting anybody for disorder crimes. But in addition to that, when you do arrest somebody for a felony, you you don't have no more cash bails. Cash bail systems been be removed. So, so there's nobody vouching for that person. That yes, that person will be coming to court. I'll vouch for that person. I'm a, I'm an upstanding citizen. I own a house in the suburb over here, and I will vouch for that person. I will put my house up as bail. I mean, that's what happens with bail. I mean, people are actually vouching for you, or the person themselves actually puts up their own money. But generally speaking, if they don't have anything, which many of them don't. Then it's a family member that puts up something of value that ensures that that person will show up for court. But when you don't have a cash bail system, nobody's vouching for anybody. They're just letting these people come back on their own recognizance. Folks, that's insane. They're not going to come back. They'll be putting warrants out for their arrest, which delays the arrest of these people anyway. So these are the, this is what the Democrats have in store. This is their agenda for the lawlessness in the streets and the anarchy. But in addition to that, they want to create jobs in other countries, China, India, other jobs in Europe, jobs around the world, not here. And the evidence of that was they supported NAFTA for years. They also support the horrible trade deals. Okay. Uh, the NAFTA, the NAFTA trade deal, they wanted to get us into the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. They wanted to get us into the TPP, which was not a good thing for, for America either. Uh, they wanted to get us into the Paris Accord, which was an environmentalist dream. It was going to weaponize the EPA against any business in this country that basically it would have, it would basically threaten every business in this country uh, to adherence to incredibly burdensome rules and regulations in order to do business in this country. But it would not it would not compel Chinese companies to follow the same rules because China was given most favored nation status and Biden allowed that to happen. So although we would be having, we would be forced through the proverbial hoop to do business. China did not have to have any of those restrictions. So China was able to run free like a Mustang through the fields, a wild horse running through the fields. And we were like the, the horse on the, on the plowshare plowing the, <laughs> plowing the row. And the other one's running free. I mean, obviously, that one's going to be the Chinese economy is going to explode and ours wouldn't. And that's what the Paris Accord would have done. It would have been the death nail to our economy. Well, Trump got us out of that. Biden wants us back into it. Not to mention the uh, the Capitalism Accountability Act, which is another one that that attacks profits. It attacks dividends. It attacks, you know, 401ks. It attacks the board of directors and companies themselves. It makes companies over a particular size have to get a national charter to do business answerable to the public, answerable to Washington. I mean, this is, this is the kind of stuff they want. The equality act that they want to put out there has nothing to do with equality at all. It has to do with muzzling religious, uh, you know, religious free speech by muzzling 
preachers and pastors from the pulpit. I mean, this is what that's all about, in addition to other things. So, I mean, when you look into it and you look deeper into what they actually have in store, folks, what they have in store for America is punishments, gloom and doom. And I just pray that Trump is able to overcome the media blackouts to the truth as much as possible because the conventions, there were no media blackouts. They had to air all of this stuff, and they did. And the public got a glimpse of it, and that's why they saw the polls completely collapse. And Biden saw it. You know, and, and they were able to to put that out there. But but keep in mind, even though Biden had a good month in August, a lot of that had to do for fundraising. A lot of that had to do because of the phony polls that were propping up Biden. Now the truth is out there. You're going to see his fundraising dry up real fast. Because people are going to realize when they donated a lot of money, they're going to realize they've been duped. They've been duped by lying polls and lying candidates. The fact is the public wants no part of this. And we know that donations to a political campaign are, in fact, investments. And these people will not make those investments going forward. I don't expect that will happen. But we'll see. We'll see going forward. Well, folks, we are out of time. Thanks again to all of our listeners for tuning in. I think we unpacked that truth here on 1180 WFYL with a punch today on our show. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate everybody for tuning in every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL for this distinct blue chip discussion. Thank you for being with us. Much of our audience, many of our audience listens to us just in the listening area while they're in the listening area, but others like to pick us up on YouTube.com. You go there and just search 1180WFYL and you can click listen live right on YouTube or you can actually go to our website 1180WFYL.com and then click listen live there again during normal air times you can click listen live and hear us live but many of us uh, many listeners pick us up on the podcasts as the podcasts are put up right away after the show well thanks again for tuning in see you next week on the point I'm Clay Brees goodbye for now <laughs>